Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. Thank you, Landon. What a beautiful song. How great is our God? He is so great. I was just sharing with the release time students this week just how big our God is and giving him an idea of just how big the universe is and how powerful he is. And certainly, our God is great. Amen? Turn your Bibles, if you would, this morning to 2 Kings chapter 4. Open them again if you had them there. If not, open if you would. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 7, we're going to read in just a moment. But I want to get back to what I started to do just a few weeks ago. We didn't done it the last week or two, but raise your Bible up. If you've got your Bible, raise it up. Raise it up. If you use it on the phone, that's okay. If you've got it on the iPad, that's okay. Just raise it up. This is the Word of God. This, for right now, we're just going to repeat after me. Let's do it this way. This is the Word of God. I will read it. I will believe it. And I will obey it by the grace of God. Amen. All right. I want you to read along with me in chapter 4, verse 1, as Mark read earlier. Uh, just a reminder, we do that because the main thing I want you to hear when you come into church is, God's word, God's voice. Now, I believe as I'm preaching, I'm preaching the message God has laid in my heart for you. But more important than anything I can say is what God says, and that's right here in his word. So I want that to set in on us and begin to penetrate our heart right from the beginning. And that's why we do that. And so we're going to repeat that now. But verse 1, now there cried a certain woman. She cried out of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take him, and take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee, or how can I help? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. And she went from him, and sh so she went from him and shut the door uh, upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. I want to brought you an interesting passage of scripture, not one that we typically think of as a Mother's Day message. I was asking Mark, I said, 
I gave him the passage uh, ahead of time to read for us. And I said, you weren't expecting that for a Mother's Day message, were you? He said, no, I've never preached this for Mother's Day, but I want you to see this woman and many more, and I want you to see this to be an encouragement for you uh, today. Men, for us to pray and support and encourage the women in our lives, the mothers, the grandmothers, the mother figures. But ladies, I pray that you'll be encouraged and motivated today. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, that you'd help us, that you'd encourage us. God, we have a desperate need for godly women to be godly mothers, godly grandmothers, godly mother figures, godly adopted mamas, godly uh, aunts and and sisters and, and daughters. But God, I pray that you would just help us. Oh God, how we need godly mothers in our lives. How you have a wonderful plan and you created from the beginning in Eve for there to be a mother in the home. Help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The biblical family, the nuclear family, the traditional family, whatever you want to call it, God's design for the family is under attack. You all believe that, don't you? I'm telling you right now, more and more and more, I am seeing the devil attack the home, and specifically, one of the primary ways he's doing that in getting to husbands and getting to children is through the mothers. This world is trying to destroy, the devil through the world is trying to destroy the home and he's trying to do so by diminishing and dismissing mothers. You know, years ago, or not so many years ago, it was thought less of a woman if she did not get married, if she did not have children. Now, what I mean is, you go back you go back even 50 years ago, that was a big deal. You go back even farther than that, and it was a bigger deal. You go back to Bible times, it was a huge deal not to have children. Now, that's not right. I mean, some women don't have children, can't have children, and so it's not right that they ought to be looked less upon, but that was the reality. Uh, women, families, mothers had lots of kids. I've heard some of you talk about how many brothers and sisters you had. And, of course, back in when farming was a big deal, you know, families would have lots of kids, so they had lots of workers in the field. Whatever the reason was, used to be it was a big deal not to have kids. Not appropriate necessarily to say it this way wasn't right to think someone less because they didn't have kids, but it was a big deal. Now, more and more and more women are being encouraged not to have children. Uh, that's one of the reasons why abortion is such a big deal. It, the devil has used this attack on women. Oh, you don't have to fulfill the role that God has put on your life, the role that God has called you to. You don't have to have children. You don't have to be a wife. You don't even have to get married. That's not what you have to do. And the devil is attacking and destroying the home. Beginning the latter half of the 20th century, that change took place. And listen, I want you to listen to me very carefully. This is not a chauvinistic thing. This is not a misogynistic thing. I am, I this is not an anti-women thing at all. There are some that are going to say, well, you're just anti-women's liberation. Well, to a certain extent, I am. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean this. 
when the women's liberation movement took place, and women can be whatever they want to be, and they ought to be able to make as much money as a man. I'll just say this. I think a woman can be whatever she wants to be. I think a woman, if she's doing the same job as a man's doing it, doing it equally well, ought to be paid the same. However, what I'm saying is this. God ordains certain roles. That doesn't mean a woman can't work. That doesn't mean a woman can't be this or can't be that. I'm simply saying this. When the women's liberation movement started, and I'm not saying it was a bad thing in of itself, but we've gotten to the place now where women say, hey, I want to be like a man. I want to prove that I can do everything a man can do. I want to fill the role of a man, and I'm going to lift myself up to be in the role of a man. And you know what they've done? They've lowered themselves to the position of a man. Do you understand what I'm saying? The role of the woman, the role of the mother, man and woman were created equal. They are equal. That doesn't mean they had the same purpose or role or plan in God's plan. But the devil has taken and brainwashed our women today in large part, especially younger women, and that's not good enough for me. What God has designed for me, and one, they're not being taught it. Number two, when they are being taught, they're saying, that's not good enough for me. I want to be this, and I want to be that. And so therefore, children are not looked at as a jewel and a treasure and a gift of God, but in many ways are being looked at as a burden and a chain and a handcuff and a handicap so they can't do all that they want to do. And I'm telling you, our homes, the marriages, our children are suffering because of it. People don't get married anymore. They don't have kids anymore because I don't want to be tied down. I don't want to be tied down to a man. I want to do what I want to do. And it flies in the face of what God ordained in Adam and Eve. That doesn't mean, women, you ought not to go out, that you can't get a job. Please, again, once again, do not misunderstand what I'm saying. What I am saying is that, listen, the plan that God has, was God did not make the man to be the nurturing mother of the family. He made the woman to be the nurturing mother of the family. He made the man to be a different role. And we'll talk about that on Father's Day. But right now, I want to do this. I want to get away from all the negative of how people look at mothers or just being a mother or just being a wife and look at all the wonderful aspects and hopefully encourage you today. I know I know. I watch my wife. I watch my mother growing up, but even more so now, I watch my wife in the exhausting role that is a mother. And on this day, we remember mothers and, well, to celebrate mothers. I want us to pr- encourage you to pray for mothers. I want us to give mothers the support, the love, and lift them up as they ought to be. We're also reminded, or want to be reminded today, of the kind of mother that we need in America, the kind of mother we need in the church. Because here's the thing, in the Christian church, the Baptist church, it's gotten to the place where we're no different than those that don't go to church in the way we look at these roles and the, the things that we pursue. Once again, let me just be clear. I am not trying to say women ought not to work or ought not to leave the home or, or ought not to pursue careers or education or any other thing. Because I know that somebody's going to listen to this and say, well, he's being awful chauvinistic. No, not at all. What I'm saying is, is that God has given you a task along with your husband 
in raising children if he gives them to you. And so therefore, I want to celebrate and encourage and lift up mothers today. It is often the mother that is the glue that holds the family together. It is, this is a, maybe a message for another day like Father's Day, but it is a shame that men have besmirched their role and have shirked their duty and become deadbeat dads or deadbeat men, and women have to fill so many different roles. It's a sad statement that so many women today have to fill in roles of leadership and spiritual leadership where the man ought to. But I'm going to say this, women, we're thankful for you. Ladies, mothers, grandmothers, we're thankful for you. And I pray that God blesses you. I know, once again, that it's often a thankless, exhausting, discouraging job to be a mom. I don't know from personal experience. I know from watching how it can be. And it's often one that women feel inadequate and unequipped for the doing. But for the mother, the grandmother, the mother-to-be, the mother figure, thank you for all you do. And I want to say this. I want to say thank you, but I want to encourage you once again as you fill these roles and these young ladies that are over here, these young ladies that are back over here, I want to encourage you in the wonderful job that will one day, when my daughter turns 45 or whatever it is I start letting her date, be a mother and fill that role. I look forward to that. And I want to encourage her and these other ladies, whenever it is your daddies, let you date and, and get married and have children and this, court, this sort of thing. I want you to know that, listen, this is the message I have for you. You, with God, are more than enough to fill the job that God has for you. And the purpose of being a mother, that primary purpose of a, being a godly lady, and if that means being a mother and being a wife, then God bless you for it, is a wonderful purpose and task to put first on your priority list. I want you to see from this story an example of a mother and how God worked in her life. I want you to see from this unusual story just how wonderful an example and wonderful examples we have in the Bible of godly mothers. And we also have some lousy examples of mothers that we don't need in the Bible. So I want you to look and see that it is with God is your foundation and is your strength that he has given you unique skills, unique abilities that no man can do. It may be true that a woman can do anything a man can do. That may very well be true. And in many cases, they can do it as well or better. But there's a job that no man can do, and that's give birth and be a mother to a child. That's a special calling that God has given you. And he's equipped you in a special way. And you say, well, I never was able to have children. Doesn't matter. You serve as a mother figure. You serve as an example, a godly woman, an encouragement to others. And it's the same thing. God has given you abilities and attributes. And you are more, with him, you are more than enough. I want you to see this woman and how what she had and what God provided for her was more than enough. Number one, though, I think it's important that we see that she was a godly woman. And that's what we need in this world is before we ever get to the mother part, or if you're already a mother or a grandmother, is to be a godly woman. This was a godly woman. This woman was living in a time that was difficult. You say, how do you know it was difficult? 
Well, because I can read my Bible and I can see all that was going on. God sent prophets. But remember, Elisha followed Elijah. And during Elijah's ministry, there was famine for a number of years, and therefore there would have been some destitute family situations. And I think that leads us here to where we're at with Elisha. The, the economy, if you will, hadn't yet really recovered like we would, they would have liked it had, but she was a godly woman, and here's how I know this, because she was the wife of one of the sons of the prophets. You say, well, what were the sons of the prophets? The sons of the prophets were men who were also prophets, but they studied or they discipled or they served some of the major prophets like Samuel, like Elijah, and in this case, like, uh, like Elijah, in this case, like Elisha. And that's who they were. He would have been, if, if we're using modern day, he would have been a missionary or a preacher or a pastor. That's what he would have been. And so therefore, I believe that it's clear that she was a godly woman because she made a godly choice. She chose a godly man. First of all, she chose to live a godly life. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, because of the preacher, let's just use that term, if he married her, if he was any kind of godly preacher whatsoever, he's not going to choose a wicked worldly woman. He's going to choose a godly woman to be his wife. And also she made a godly choice in the fact that she said yes to his proposal for marriage, marrying a godly man. Young ladies that aren't married, that are here today, aren't married yet, their first qualification that you ought to have for your one-day husband. You ready? Get out your pen, Chloe. Get out your pen. Lily, it's, well, it's not too late. You're not married yet. I hope it's true of Hunter there. I know you're engaged. But still, I'm just saying, listen, Ella, get out your iPad or whatever you got, your cell phone there. I probably don't have a pen, but that's okay. Write it down. The number one qualification, is he godly? Is he a godly Christian? If he's not, throw it out. Get, just, just listen, do not date, do not marry him if he is not a godly man. She married a man of God, and she was a godly wife. You say, well, how do you know that? Because they were still together until he died. She yielded to his leadership. We don't know how long she was married to him. Married long enough to have children. Married long enough for those children to be old enough to work for somebody else as a bondservant so they weren't toddlers, but not so old that they could have been outside the home in, a, uh, in the workforce, if you will, with a skill helping support their mother. So it was somewhere in those younger years, not yet older teenage years, if you will, so it had been a number of years that she was married to this man, serving with this man, supporting this man, and I'm thankful for godly support that I get from my wife. My wife is much quieter than me. She's much more humble than me. She's much more soft-spoken than me. She's much more shy than me. I'm so glad that she's not me. But she has always, for 21 years now, supported me, and really 19 years in supporting ministry through me. And that's what this woman was doing. But not only that, but she loved the children that God had given her. That was her concern. Her concern was is that she was going to lose her children. She was already, listen, she was already in a rough situation having lost her husband. But now she was facing the concept of losing her children. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. But she loved the children that God had given her. 
Oh, how terrible it is when today we hear about women, and we hear about them all the time, who abandon their children or who leave their children. Whatever the circumstance is, when they leave the children, or you'll hear about a young mother who discards the child, in a trash, gives birth to a child and leaves them in a trash can somewhere. Oh, what a terrible, terrible thing that a mother would not love that sweet, innocent child. But she loved the children that God had given them. She was a godly woman. She was a godly wife. She was a godly mother, but also she made a godly call. When she was in trouble, when she was in a panic, if you will, she called on God. The fact that she turned to Elisha, the man of God, was the same as her turning to God. He was the prophet. He was the man of God. He was the servant of God. And she turned to him and said, help I need help. It was a godly call. We live in a world today where people say, hey, you can do it yourself. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Hey, you can work it on out by yourself. You don't need anybody else, and you certainly don't need to go to the church. You certainly don't need to turn to some uh, fictional fairy tale being that's written about in a book that's 2,000 years ago, or written 2,000 years ago. You can do it yourself. She did not do that. She made a godly call, the most important call you can ever make, when you're in trouble, and that is calling on God. She was a godly woman, and we need some women today that will make godly choices and will lead godly lives and choose to marry and love and support godly men. Oh, how we need some godly women in this world today. And I pray that each of you that are mothers, grandmothers, mother figures, I pray that you are, and I pray that you're becoming more godly as you grow. And you young ladies, I pray that you will grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be godly young women, and one day marry godly young men, if that's where he leads you to marriage and to children and be godly mothers. But number two, I want you to see she was not just a godly woman, she was in a troubling circumstance. Listen, if I can tell you anything today, that, and I'm not telling those of you that are married, been married, have children, I'm not, telling the, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, but for those of you that are younger and haven't figured this out yet, being married and having children, although wonderful, is not easy. Is that not right? For those of you that are some mothers, there are some hardships. There are some heartaches. There are some difficulties that will come. Circumstances don't always go like you think they're going to go. I know, and listen, I'm not picking on Lily and Hunter, but I know they're engaged and set to be married in a few months, and, and I know that, man, I'm going to get married, and it's going to be everything I ever dreamed to be. I'm going to have a fairy tale wedding, and it's going to be a fairy tale marriage, and I'm so, I hope that it is, and I hope it's everything you ever dreamed it would be, but I'm telling you, just I know you know this, but it's not always going to be just walking on streets of gold. It's not. Go ahead and understand that now. Go ahead and get a grip on that now. And if kids come, and whether, whether, no matter how kids come, I'm telling you, it's not always easy. And it may be financial, it may be emotional, it may be psychological, it may be time. Different things come and take place. It may be hardships that come. And they're dead for this woman. Her husband had died. What a terrible tragedy. Lost. We don't know how long they've been married again. We don't know how old he was. We know that apparently not, probably wasn't that old because the kids weren't that old. But we can speculate all day long, but the husband had died. What the age was, how he died, not important. Uh, 
we do, I already mentioned about the children being probably younger, but here she was and she was in debt. It would be hard enough today for a woman who is a widow with young children to survive in this world. Despite all the government assistance, despite all the jobs that may be out there, it would be hard in this economy to survive with young children on your own. But can you imagine how it would have been back then? In an economy that was not great, number one, but also in a society where women didn't have all the privileges and have all the opportunities that women do have today. I know the world wants to tell you, ladies, that men are terrible and men are out there to hold you down and keep their keep their foot on your neck. And I know that's in politics and that's in the news. But I'm telling you, ladies, you live in a wonderful country with wonderful opportunities. And I'm telling you that there was a far different cry today than was what was taking place back then. It would have been nearly impossible for a woman to support a family in any economy back in these days, but certainly in the situation that that country was in at that time, it was impossible. And so here she's in trouble, not necessarily of her own making. We don't know if it was her debt or whether it was debt that her husband had. We don't know. But we do know this. She was in trouble, and the debt collector was coming. Now, the Hebrew law was this. If somebody owed money and wasn't able to pay it, they were able. the debt collector could come and take property. They could even take the person, or they could take children. Now, they weren't allowed to treat them as slaves. That's why the word bondservant is there. It's a little bit different. They were sold not to be slaves, but to be servants to pay off the debt. And by the way, that's also where, for those that have been following along with our study in Ruth, the concept of the kinsman redeemer comes in, where a relative could come back in and they, were able, they would be allowed, and legally the person would have to sell them back at a price to pay the debt, they, they could a kinsman redeemer could come in and buy back those bond servants for the family. That's a picture of Christ in buying you and me from the devil for salvation, but it's also in the book of Ruth. But that's what she was facing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? How many of you in here love your children? Raise your hand at me. Hope you all, all you parents, anybody's, you know, parents, grand, hope you love your children. My point is this. Can you imagine if someone's coming to take your five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old and say, I'm taking them away from you and you're not going to have them anymore? Now, maybe when they're teenage years, you might say, go ahead and take them for a few months. You'll, you'll bring them back. But when they're younger, all right, you would never, and you wouldn't with your teenager either. I know that. But I'm simply saying, can you imagine that sweet little boy, that sweet little girl, that princess, that prince of yours, and they're going to come and take them perhaps far away? Oh, can you imagine the anguish? And can you imagine her panic? And she was willing to do anything she could to keep her children. Oh, that we would have women like that in the home that would do anything they could for the benefit of their children and of their family. She was at a loss for what she could do, but she did not give up. So how do you know she didn't give up? Because she turned to God. She turned to the man of God. She turned to the right place. And we need women like that. 
that despite the circumstances that may be against them, refuse to give up. Ladies, don't give up. Don't give up when it gets hard with your husband. Don't give up when it gets hard with your children. Don't give up when you're in circumstances that are rough. Don't give up. But turn to God and look to Him for the help that you need. Number three thing I want you to see is she thought that she didn't have much, but she had more than enough. She thought she didn't have much. Look and see. He says, what do you have? And she says, I have nothing. In fact, when I read that, I, I, I read it this way. I think this is probably the proper way of reading it. He says, what do you have? In other words, uh, I, how can I help you? Do you have anything that you can sell in the house? Do you have anything, anything at all that you can use to get some money? And she says, I've got nothing. Nothing. And he says, you don't have anything. I don't have anything. He says, you don't have anything at all? And she says, the only thing I've got is just one pot of oil, and that's it. You have something. Some of you ladies, some of you mothers, some of you grandmothers, say, you know, I just don't really have any way of helping. I don't have any way of making any impact whatsoever. Or maybe it's too late or my children are grown. What I'm telling you is you've got more than enough to still make a difference today. I want you to know that you've got more than enough to do the job that God has called you today when you have God because he will show you you have more than enough. She had more than she thought because she had a humble spirit. We'll get back to the oil in a minute. But she had a humble spirit because she turned to God. She wasn't too prideful to sit there and say, well, I've nothing I can do. You know, there is Elijah, which is before her, who had a widow of Zarephath, and God sent him to her for this widow and her son to take care of Elijah. But when he gets there, she says, I don't have anything at all. In fact, all I got is just a little bit of bread and a little bit of oil. I'm going to make a loaf of bread, and then me and my son are going to die. She had all but given up. And what I'm saying to you is you got more. Just like she did, she had more than she realized. This woman had more than she realized. But she humbled herself to turn to somebody for help. And she turned to God, and she calls. It takes humility to call out on God. It takes humility to turn to the preacher or turn to a friend and say, will you help me? And God may use them as an avenue of grace just as he used Elisha in this woman's life. She had a submissive spirit. She had more than she thought. She had a, a submissive spirit. She obeyed the instructions of the man of God. She says, I've got just a little bit of oil. And he says, okay, take that oil and take that vessel. I want you to go out and get other vessels, other pots, other bowls, other jars. Don't get a few. Get as many as you can find. And then get in your house and shut the door. Because something great's about to happen. Now shut the door, why? Because it was, this isn't a showy thing. This isn't a braggy thing. We have it as a testimony today. But she wasn't trying to draw attention to herself in doing this. She had to know that he was that God, something great was going to happen. She didn't know what it was. And in her wildest imagination, she never could have realized exactly what was going to take place. But she knew that Elisha was a man of God. And if she knew of Elisha as a man of God, she most likely knew that Elijah before him was a man of God. And they both had done miracles. And she must have wondered, what is God going to do through him this time? But she shut the door and she opened obeyed what he said. She also did something wonderful. She didn't just do it herself. She got her children involved. Now, Elisha didn't even say that, but she got her family involved. Why? 
She wanted them to see what God was going to do. So many times we keep things to ourselves, ladies, even men. We keep things to ourselves. God speaks to us. God does something great for us. And while I don't want to be flashy, I don't want to be braggy, I'll just keep it to myself. Isn't it wonderful? Let your family in on what God is doing. Let, him, let them see that, yes, there is trouble, because otherwise they're going to grow up and think, well, I never had any trouble in my family. Let them in. You don't have to tell them every detail. You don't have to give them all the nitty-gritty. But let them in and understand that life is real, that you are real. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. No mom or dad is perfect. But also let them see what God is doing. She gets her children involved, and she sent them out, and she gathered, and she poured. She couldn't have a clue of what was going to happen. She didn't know. Here's how I know she didn't know. is because she would have got more pots and more bowls somewhere, somehow. If I know that the number of pots and bowls that I collect is going to equal the amount of money that I'm going to have left over, I'm going to everybody, aren't you? The only thing that prevented this woman from having more, now she had more than enough, but the only thing that prevented her from being a multi-gozillionaire was the fact that she didn't have enough faith to go out and beg people for more pots and bowls. That's my opinion. If she had known what God was going to do, there wouldn't have been any question of there aren't any more. Go find some more. Let's, go, let's keep this thing going. But she pours and she pours and she pours. And when they get to the last pot, it runs out. God begins usually in our lives with what we have. And I'm telling you, what you have with God is more than enough. You have skills, you have talents, you have abilities, ladies, mothers, grandmothers, mothers one day perhaps be. You have attributes that God has given you that you haven't yet perhaps even tapped into yet or scratched the surface of, but God has given you more than enough. But he begins oftentimes with what you have. Let me give you some examples, and then I'm going to be about out of time. Moses had a rod. God used that rod to do many miracles. He used Moses, but if you notice, the rod became the serpent. The rod parted the waters. The rod did many miracles when he used that rod. He used it in a mighty way. It was a simple stick, a walking stick, but God used it in a mighty way. A few fish and a few loaves. Remember the feeding of the 5,000, or as I like to call it, the feeding of the 22,500? Five loaves and two fish. Later, there was, a, uh, there was seven loaves and a few fish. And he fed thousands upon thousands upon thousands. He began with what they have. Now, can God create something out of nothing? Absolutely he can. And he did when he created the universe. But he often uses what you have. A little flour and a little oil to Sustain the woman of Zarephath and her son and Elijah. She uses this woman and the oil to pour out more oil to be more than enough. David had a sling and a stone. Peter and his companions had a net and caught a huge catch of fish. Oh, she had something. And you mothers, you grandmothers, you ladies, you have something. God has given you a gift Please don't say, well, I don't have much or I don't have anything. God has given you what you need and what you will need to be a godly woman 
to be a godly mother. Not only did she have that submissive spirit and a willing spirit, but she had a powerful God who provided for her more than enough. Look at that verse again. She goes in, she shuts the door, they collect the vessels, they bring them, and she just starts pouring. And again, I go back to the woman at Zarephath in a similar fashion with the oil and the bread that never did run out. Here she just keeps pouring, and she 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 keeps pouring. And And can you imagine the excitement, the amazement? I can't believe what's going on here. And she goes back and she tells him, look what has happened. Look what God has done. And he says, take that oil and sell it. Pay your debts, save your family, and then live on the rest. It was more than what she needed for her immediate situation. It was more than what she was going to need for the rest of her life. God will give you more. When God takes what you have and you say, Yes, Lord, I will yield, and yes, Lord, I will obey, and yes, Lord, I will trust you, He will take what you have as little as you think it is, and it's more than what you think, but He will take that and He will multiply it to be more than what you need. More than enough. We need women today who will show that humility and show that they will obey God and yield to Him and believe and give all that they have, all that God has given, and watch Him bless and multiply your abilities. We need more godly women who will take on the task of being godly mothers, as I said. And I just want to share you very very quickly, we don't need any more Job's wives. Job had a wife, of course, Job, perhaps the most persecuted man in all the Old Testament. And the only thing the devil, if you read the story of Job, he first takes his, the devil comes and says, I want to touch his life. It's the only reason he's praising you, only reason he's living for you. And he says, you can take all that he has, but you can't touch him. And he takes his children, he takes his animals, he takes all his possessions, he takes his servants, takes everything except for his wife. Later, Job, the devil comes and he says, God says, consider my servant Job. He says, he still hasn't cursed me. He's still living for me. He says, man, if you touch him, let me touch him, he'll curse you. God says, go right ahead, but you can't take his life. Covers him in boils. His wife comes and says, curse God and die. Why didn't, God, why didn't the devil take his wife in the beginning? Because he was going to use his wife to be an discouragement to Job. But Job said, naked I come into the world and naked I'm going out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We don't need Job's wives. We don't need Jezebel's, the queen who wanted to be king and led Ahab to be a wicked king. And then when Ahab died, she was a wicked woman and raised wicked children who became king after her. We don't need those. We need more women that will take what they have in the circumstances they are given with God and find that they're more than enough. Women like Jochebed. You said, who's Jochebed? That's Moses' mother. Moses' mother who put him in the basket and she raised him up until she couldn't keep him quiet any longer and then she made a way to try to save him and her faith led her to never give up. And I just want to say, mothers, don't ever give up. No matter how hard it gets, no matter what direction your children go after they're old and they've grown or while they're teenagers and the hardships they cause and the difficulties they may cause, listen, don't give up. Keep on praying. Keep on trusting God. We need more women like Hannah, Samuel's mother, who will pray 
and beg God and then keep her promise and give that child back to God. We need more women like Lois and Eunice. You say, who's that? That was Timothy's mother and grandmother, who the Bible says, Paul says, was you raised him up from a youth, and Timothy, you know that your mother and your grandmother taught you what God's Word says. Teach your children what God says and what God says in His Word. We need more women like Eve. You say, Eve, the woman who gave in temptation to the devil? Listen, Eve made the biggest, along with Adam, made the biggest mistake you could ever make, or the first mistake, I'll say even the biggest mistake, all mankind was cursed because the world was cursed when Eve and Adam fell in the garden. But do you ever notice what Eve's response is? After they come and God deals with them and God says, you're going to be judged, you read and you find that she has Seth. And this is, by the way, after Cain kills Abel, first her children are born. She says, God's given me a child. And then Cain kills Abel. Here she was. She sinned. She's caused the greatest curse to come upon all mankind. And then her son murders her other son. Can you imagine how somebody may give up on God and say, forget this, I'm not going to believe in God, I'm not going to trust God. But when you get over to Seth being born, it says God has given me a child to replace Abel. She hadn't turned her back on God. Oh, we need women who go through hard times, but that won't turn their back on God and will keep on going for God. We need people like the mother of Jesus, Mary who despite the fact that, yes, she was given a child and they gave birth to that child and he was a son of God, and yes, she knew to a certain extent what he would have to do. But she never did give up. She never did turn her back, and she was with Jesus all along the way to the point that he died. And ladies, mothers, don't give up on those children and stay with them. You're still their mother, whether they're 20, 30, 40, 50. As long as you're living and you have a child, you're their mother. Oh, my friends, we need some godly women. We need some godly mothers. And I'm praying that you will be a godly mother, that God will take what you have, and you will say, God, I don't have much, but it's yours. And you younger women, I'm praying that you will say, God, oh, use me. God, walk with me. God, help me to find a godly man. God, if it's your will, give me godly children. Let me lead a godly life. Let me be a godly example for someone today. That's what we need in America. And my challenge to you on this Mother's Day is that you would say, yes, Lord, work in my life. And for the men, oh, that you would worship. And I say worship, I don't mean in an idolatrous fashion. I mean that you would honor and reverence and cherish the women in your life. Your mother, your wife, your daughters, and pray for them and encourage them and lead them to be the godly women that God would have them to be and to fill the godly roles with godly priorities, just as he called them to do. Let's pray. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.
feel like crawling.